Thank you for listening to the Altered Podcast as we have been in our reading plan going through the book of Leviticus. And now it is time for a sing-along based on the book of Leviticus. Oh, no. (laughs) You put the The ram's head on the altar. You put the blood on your finger and you sprinkle it about. You do the sacrificing and you turn your life around. That's what it's all about. Yay! Welcome to the Altered Podcast. Join us each week as we honor God and the things that He does. (laughs) Dina, where'd that song come from? So... You know, as they say that all Bible studies should not be like this. Um, we took all of the books of the Bible when I was in Chi Alpha um, as a student, and we put all of them in a hat, and we drew one out because we were like, this will be the best idea. <laughs> Super spiritual. And we got the book of Leviticus. And so we're like, yeah, we've never read through the whole book of Leviticus. It would be a great Bible study topic. About four chapters in, we realized our grave mistake. However, we still did. We pushed through. We read the whole entire book. And then I think it was my friend Abby and I, we were talking to you in the car and we were like, you could almost make a song out of this. Yeah, because it repeated itself so much. Yes. And then we did. Yeah. We made a song out of it and you just heard it. And that's pretty much what the whole book is about. Yep. Well, welcome to the Altar Podcast where we honor God and the things that he does. With sing-alongs. With sing alongs you say that but you sing a lot you do we have we have established this <laughs> we talked about that when we went bowling today we did how much you sing we didn't even realize it we come to hunter's house and he's just singing away he's like i'm cleaning my kitchen <laughs> <laughs> la, 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 la. we're like oh, okay yeah i do sing a lot for a guy who can't sing i sing a lot you sing you sing just fine you sing like a bird i, I do feel really bad for the people who had to listen to me sing though just a minute ago nah you sing good too well, thank you for apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. So, Benjamin, if you cannot tell from what the song was about, we will be talking about the reading. We shall. We shall be talking about the reading. Now, <clears throat> we're not just talking about Leviticus the whole time, but we will be discussing the, the law. We will. The dun, dun, dun. Or, dun, dun. as Law and Order says, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Law and order. That's, that's a good. That's a good reference. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. So um, we do have a podcast about this already, and it is two parts and very long. And Ben and Dina are not on it. <clears throat> not at all. So we will. Uh, so listen at your own risk. <laughs> yeah. But we will redo it in a sense um, to actually have decent conversation. Jay. <laughs> He's <laughs> your friend. He's going to text me and be like, "Hey." So, I like Jay. He's a good fellow. Yeah, he's, he's, nice. he's super smart. He's, oh, yeah. Man. Anyway. He thinks he is. We still have one, <laughs> the, we still have one in the bank where he and his pastor talk about really smart things. And Yeah, I was confused the whole time. Have we aired that yet? No. Oh. no I literally just ask questions the entire time. Like, it is like, just, you know, honestly, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> I just let him talk. I just ask questions. But, so today we're going to go through the law. Is it still for today? What did the law do back then? We're going to talk about Leviticus and why. Why do we even read it in the first place? And why it felt like it took six years to read through it. Yep. And it only actually took like seven days. Yep. And then we're going to talk about numbers for a minute. We are. It's going to be great. So. Super excited. First things first, uh, we need to honor God and what he has done for us this week. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to change things up a bit and I'll go first. Oh, okay. Whoa. Wow. No. (sighs) So I have so many things that happened to me this week. (laughs) But you know what? I will just say this. I am thankful for a group of people as our elder team to be able to sit down and discuss theological things with um, openly and will always try to keep me on my toes. It will, it's always a blessing. That is what I'll say. Good. Good. Dina, your turn. (laughs) That was it. 
Well, uh, yeah, that's a big thing, I think. You know how many people go all their life and don't have anybody to discuss the Bible with? That's in, true. In a very deep theological way? Or have people to challenge themselves? Right. I don't Even know. If, I was just expecting a, I don't know, well, I have a really so, cool story. I have so. so many stories this week, but you know, <laughs> some are just not appropriate to tell at the moment. So. <laughs> I can't. That I sounds can. weird. But okay. anyway. No, it's fine. So, um, for me, um, what God has done for me this week is... Um, just reminded me that I uh, am very blessed to work with people who um, have my back and are very pleasant to be around at work. So that's it. Uh, is that it? Yep. That's I it. thought I was going to hear some great story after you just knocked mine. No. <laughs> okay. Well, I have a great story. <laughs> Thanks. Because God did some cool things this week for me too. One of which was literally right before this podcast, Hunter, our good buddy Jerry, who is an elder at church with us, and myself went bowling. And Hunter, like an old man, <laughs> pulled a muscle in his shoulder, I think before we ever got like there. Two actually. weeks before. Because he came in and he's like, man, my shoulder hurts so bad. So the whole time we're bowling, he's like, I feel like my shoulder's going to separate from my body. And <laughs> And so after I did say that. That's probably exactly how you said that. So after we were leaving and uh Jerry's going, Oh, my knees hurt so bad and Hunter's going, Man, my shoulder hurts so bad. So anyway, time passes and I, I say a prayer for them. And I'm like, Lord, if you just take both of these old people that I'm with out of pain. Um, we would appreciate it. And then Hunter gets the weirdest look on his face. He's moving his arm around and he's like, and I mean, he is flabbergasted. Like it's written all over his expression. And I'm like, you okay, buddy? And he's like, and what did you say? I said, my arm doesn't hurt. And then he like keeps testing it. He's like, it, it really doesn't hurt. I thought he was joking. I thought he was messing with me. He's like, no, it really doesn't hurt. And then we get to his house, and he's picking up Lily and throwing her in the air at, a, at the ceiling fan. I'm like, <laughs> Whoa. Not really. Whoa. Not at the ceiling fan. But at one point, you did scare me because, you know, you People like, take this, this conversation seriously. They call me, and they're like, hey, how'd you try to kill Lily this week? <laughs> so He tried to throw at her ceiling fan. No, that's not really it. Uh, he's just, just really tall, and he's closer to the ceiling fan than you are. <laughs> that's definitely true from my vantage point. Yeah, anyway. Um, so he's like, he's tossing her up in the air, you know, just like in a playful way. He's not really like throwing her or anything. <laughs> But <laughs> that makes it sound dangerous. He was just lifting her in the air. Well, either way, I mean, he's really tall. I can't see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really tall. Anyway, um, and he goes, "Wow," he goes, "My arm is better because it doesn't hurt at all." And so, I just thought that was cool that God healed you. But I say all that to say, um, you know, God. In what well, we've been doing a bunch of prayer, you know, for the past few weeks, and and you know, we prayed at church and prayed all all kinds of places and. And we've just really seen God move through that. And that's one of the ways he healed Hunter's shoulder of, of pain. And it's really cool. And even now he's testing her out and, and his shoulder doesn't hurt, which is cool. So does God heal everybody? No, we've prayed for Jessica. She's, she's had some health, um, Things. inconveniences, if nothing else, <laughs> we'll call it that. And, and, uh, stupid COVID and God hadn't taken all that away from her yet, but, um, he, he healed Hunter's shoulder. So it was pretty cool. Why does God heal one, not the other? We don't know. That's another podcast another time, but we trust God in whatever capacity. And that was super cool that he just heals on her shoulder. So that's what God You know, why did I not think of that one? Cause I know, right? I thought you, that's what I thought you were going to say. So that's I was just why I was quiet. like, that's, that's it, Hunter. Wow. But, but anyway, moving cool. on. It's so. cool. So. Ben? That's, that's, that's it. That's it. All that's right. it. Well, you know, that's pretty cool. And you've been reading a lot of books on prayer and the church has been diving into prayer yeah. a lot. So prayer is becoming... Uh, as it has should have been a very uh, big aspect in our daily life. Yep. I've been reading this book lately. I'll just go ahead and, and I haven't read it all, so I'm hoping it doesn't take a turn for the theological worse. <laughs> but so far, chapter one was really good. <laughs> oh my gosh. But I say that. You've chapter, only read chapter one? Chapter one was long. Like, not long. I'm talking long. Like, longer than Leviticus long. I just want to say this real quick. These views right here are not the views of the Ultra Podcast, as for now. All right. Keep yes. But chapter one was super long, but it was really good, too. And it's a book called um, Pray Like Monks, Live Like Fools. And the whole thing has a forward by Tim Mackey in it where he talks about how he knows this guy and, and he vouches for him and whatever. But um, the, the book was really good because it talks about how when he was younger, you know, he's saved and he's in his middle school and... 
and he just he had this hunger um, to to help people kind of in the way I would put it is become disciples to help people know Jesus and, and live out a life of faith or whatever. And so he just he said he would randomly like sit down with some of his friends and like open the Bible and just kind of teach him some stuff. And he said it was really bad and it wasn't theologically accurate, you know, necessarily and stuff, but God still honored it anyway. But he only had just a few people and he was really discouraged and he was talking to somebody, I can't remember who, and and um, basically it led to, hey, why don't you pray for your middle school and see what happens? So he walked around his middle school every day at 630 and prayed for people by name, all the people he knew. He said he had, it back in the old days, um, Hunter, did you ever have a school directory where it like had their like kids' phone numbers in it? No. I know, that's an antiquated thing. There used to be like a phone book for the school that had like the kids' names and phone numbers in it. You don't remember this either, Dina? Are you talking about something that the office used or? No, it was like something they would give out to kids so that you well, could. I feel like that's not okay. So that you could call people on the phone. Our school system didn't do anything like that. Apparently they did in this school system. That's what it was. was it was like a phone book. Of, <laughs> do you remember this? No. A home phone number. <laughs> what are you saying? I, know, I was just messing with you. Anyway. <laughs> Um, I was having a good time though, because you all both the looks on your faces were awesome. Um, I don't, I never remember this either. We did have like yearbooks, you know, with pictures, but anyway. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> so, but yeah, so he was like, he was, he pulled out the, the school directory, he said, and he was praying through, like naming kids by name and, you know, asking God to save them. And he said by the end of his, that year, that school year, there were like half the kids in the school got saved. And so he talks about how prayer in his life, was huge for him. And then he kind of had this moment as he got older and quote unquote wiser where he stopped praying so much. And he said that there were, I believe it was eight things that, that kind of led him away from wanting to pray so much. And he goes through those in chapter one. And one of them was when we pray, we are confronted by the fact that God is real. And so for some people that drives them to prayer for others, it drives them away because if God is real and you pray, and he doesn't respond, then what does that mean? What are the implications? And then he goes on to say that, that it also means, though, that, you know, if he asks you to do something, you have to do it, which is really scary. Um, and so he goes through all these reasons of, you know, why people don't pray and all these things. And he tells these personal stories. And so far, man, the book is really good. Um, the first chapter is really The first good. hundred page Chapter one, yes, was very good. It is not a hundred pages. Uh, it was it okay. I'm listening to the book. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it took fifty three minutes to read through chapter one. That's nothing. Fifty three minutes. So Ben's over here, like the first hundred I, I audible pages. The, yeah, the first fifty three <laughs> minutes, which I mean that it took forever. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, but also my Bible app says that for some of these chapters in Leviticus is like 12, 15 minutes long. Yes. So <laughs> let me just read you a quote because it was, it, it is this good. Um, prayer is about presence before it's about anything else. Prayer doesn't begin with outcomes. Prayer is the free choice to be with the father to prefer his company. I thought that was really good. I even <laughs> thought that was really good. Um, so anyway, it's it's a cool book so far, and I'm hoping. I just can't. Oh gosh. I'm hoping it's gonna be really good. But yeah, I, so, I hope the rest of it's fire. <laughs> I do too. How uh, many chapters is this book? I hang on, I'll tell you. <laughs> I just can't. You children with. It's your, really not. It's like chapters. There, you just read the whole book. There's ten chapters and an epilogue and two appendices. So yeah, it's fifty. <laughs> It takes uh, six hours and 49 minutes to read the whole thing. <laughs> Chapter one of which is 54 minutes of that. <laughs> so it's a sixth of the entire book, okay? Chapter one was long. But okay. Anyways. Well, okay. So, Dean is about to read Leviticus 1. And we're going to read all the way through the book of Leviticus. Right here, right now. So The entire book? The entire book. Whoa. All right. Let's until, until, until we can't stand it anymore. Okay. All right, Dina. 1-1. One, one. Here we go. 1-1. One, one. 
The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering and make and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord, and Aaron's sons, the priests, shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put the fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall arrange the pieces, the head, and the fat, on the wood that is on the fire on the altar, but its entrails and its legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. If his gift for a burnt offering is from the flock, from the sheep or goats, he shall bring a male without blemish, and he shall kill it on the north side of the altar before the Lord. And Aaron's sons the priest shall throw its blood against the sides of the altar, and he shall cut it into pieces with its head and its fat, and the priest shall arrange them on the wood that is on the fire on the altar, but the entrails and the legs he shall wash with water. And the priest shall offer all of it and burn it on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Hang on. All right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. What? We already read all this, so I'm going to stop you right there. I know, but I just kept on going. You want to keep on going? No. <laughs> but just because it just repeats itself a but little bit. Why, 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 why do we have to read this? Good question. That's what we're talking about today. Did you not hear that it went along with the song? <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't market that very well. <laughs> yeah, but okay, That that is the question, is why do we read Leviticus? Why do we go back in the Old Testament... Which Andy Stanley says we should unhitch ourselves from, even though he's wrong. Why do we go through and read this entire book of, not even the book of the law, because the first five chapters are the book of the law. Mm-hmm. Because clearly the Lord loves barbecues. <laughs> <laughs> it is a cookout. No, I'm just kidding. Um, kind of. Um, just kidding. But why do we go back and read all of these sacrificial things that they had to do for like 28 chapters or whatever, however long Leviticus was. Good question, right? Hunter, here's a question I have for you. It's not a random question, but it is a question because only you can do random questions on this. Apparently. It's random to me. Here's the question. On Sunday, when you went to church, did you bring your sacrifice to church? No. For your sins? I don't have a sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> did you bring your goat or your lamb? I didn't bring Luna with me, no. You, she is a giant dog. She is. <laughs> um, Dina, do you remember taking your sacrifice to the north side of the altar and killing it and pouring out its blood and all the stuff that it was talking about? No. Nope, we didn't. So why do we have to read this thing? Good question. Well, Leviticus is a book that tells us a lot of things about sin and its seriousness. And we're going to get into that. Um, but actually... We're not going to read so much more of Leviticus as we are Hebrews chapter 8. And so Hebrews chapter 8 tells us some very important things about the sacrifice, the sacrificial system, and why we don't have to do this thing anymore. Hunter, you're looking at me funny. What's up? The next thing in the plan is Hebrews 7. Did I, oh, I'm sorry. It is. Oh, yeah. It's a little bit of Hebrews 7 into Hebrews 8. You're oh, right. okay. Sorry. <clears throat> My bad. Um, but I do remember when I was a kid. Um, I say a kid. I was like 17. Um, but I do remember when I was younger going to my family and we had talked about, like, I, I think I had been reading in Leviticus and we brought up, why don't we sacrifice now as Christians when we go to church? Because the old Jewish people did. So what's the difference between then and now? Jesus. Jesus. That's right. Hebrews tells us the difference. And so, Dina, you got Hebrews chapter 7 there. Would you read just that little snippet? Yeah. 
Hebrews 7, 27 through 28. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Obviously, the he's in this text is Jesus. Yes. So, well, but it, when it talks about they appoint men in their weakness, that's mm. not about well, Jesus. Right. It says he has no need. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Those. Yeah. Um, read just a little bit more, because that, if we stop right there, it almost sounds like it says <coughs> that the law appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Does that mean Jesus wasn't perfect? Hunter's yawning over there. He can't answer. <laughs> Dina, does that mean Jesus wasn't perfect? Jesus was perfect. Jesus was perfect. So why does it say that? Have you ever thought about it? I don't see how that would make you believe that. What well, it doesn't. I agree. But why? Why does it say that he has been made perfect forever? I'm confused. Because he's never sinned. So, okay, so that verse that we just read. Right, 28. Yes, because some people think, for instance, that Jesus was created. Right, all right. Um, and they would point to this, and actually some people would say that Jesus earned his place with God right. because he lived a perfect life. Uh-huh. Right. And they would point to this passage and say, see, Jesus was made perfect forever. Uh-huh. Why does it not mean that? That's what I'm trying to get at. So you're saying the next verse should explain that? This will, it will help us. Yes. So, Dina, read 8, 1 um, to... 13-ish. 1 through 3-ish. Yeah. <laughs> Not all the way. All right. Yeah. Now, the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up not man for every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer okay so stop right there for just a second it is necessary for jesus this high priest to have something to offer what did he offer all right now keep reading now if he were on earth he would not be a priest at all since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law they serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. Okay. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as the covenant he meditates is better. It mediates is better. Mediates is better. Sorry. Since it is enacted on better promises for if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. Okay. Hang on just a second. So what this is starting to get at is it does not mean that Jesus was not perfect. What it actually means is that Jesus is perfect forever. So when it says that he has been made perfect forever, it is talking about the fact that Jesus came to earth, um, that he was fully God, fully man, and then he has ascended after his death and resurrection to the right hand of the Father. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean Jesus was not perfect. It means that... He has been made perfect forever, as in he died, he put off the flesh, which even Jesus' flesh was dying, just like everyone else's flesh is dying, because everyone dies. And now Jesus, yeah, it's true, everyone does. (laughs) Hunter was like, what? Um, And Jesus has put off the flesh and assumed his place at the right hand of the Father, which was his place from the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. He gives it up for a short time to come to earth and then returns back to yeah, it Yeah, the big thing is is that it's it's doing a contrast between the high priests yes. of old and now the new high priest yes. of Christ. Yes. So Jesus is the ultimate high priest is what it's right. kind of making the case of. Like Christ doesn't have to make the sacrifice for himself right. first because he is perfect. Right. And he is the sacrifice that will be given for right. all people. Um, so when it says, for instance... Um, 
in verse four, now if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all. Since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law, they serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. Um, I think I skipped. Oh, no, it was verse three. I, I went right past it. Uh, for every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it's necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Mm -hmm. It is necessary for him to have something to offer. It's just that he is the thing he was offering. He was offering of himself. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's just interesting to me that people like to try to use that as a proof text to say that Jesus lived a perfect life and was made perfect. Therefore, that's why he was the Messiah. Not the case. Mm -hmm. Not the case. So we asked a question. We said, why do we read the book of Leviticus? And we're going to keep reading this just a little bit further. Hebrews 10 is going to shed some light on a few things. I'm sorry. Hebrews 8 is going to shed some light <laughs> on a few things. And then we're going to go skip ahead to, 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 to chapter 10 um, here in just a minute. So Dina, would you read just a little bit further? Read 8 yeah. through 12. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Yep. So <clears throat> what it says there is, and, and these are the a few things we've talked about, that Jesus is the high priest, that he offered of himself, and that now it says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel. And so it's he says, it's not like the covenant that I made with their fathers, but this is going to be a different covenant because he's going to write it on our hearts, put it into our minds. This covenant is going to be totally different. Now, Hunter, you and I have talked about this a lot. For years. For years. <laughs> this old covenant versus new covenant. Does anything still apply from the old to the new? Mm -hmm. What's the point of the law? Which is really what we're reading as right. we read through Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and now Numbers, which starts technically tomorrow. But by the time this airs, we'll have already been in, in Numbers for a few days. Deuteronomy. Yep. And into the prophets. And into and into the, but the books of the law, right. the Torah, first five books is about you know that's the law right so how does this law apply to us today and, and we've talked about this many times before yeah right how, how does that apply okay to us so yeah. um <clears throat> that's a weighted weighted question it is um so i'll go through the um um again we have a podcast on this that is like three and a half hours of content. Mm -hmm. So for detailed stuff, listen to that. Um, but I will say that there is a common um, view here, and we split it down the middle, is that some would believe, who are, and we call this new covenant theology, that the entire law is obsolete. The entirety of everything we're reading here does not apply anymore. <clears throat> um, I don't think anybody around this table is in that camp. Um, so we would probably fall under covenant theology, which would mean that um, we probably break the law down into three parts, the civil, the ceremonial, and the moral. So we would agree that the civil and the ceremonial laws faded away with Christ. They were fulfilled in Christ, but the moral law still applies. So can you give me an example of ceremonial law? So ceremonial law would be everything we just read in Leviticus exactly. 1. Yeah. Um, the, the transferring of sins onto the lamb, um, preparing the, the tabernacle, things like that. Yeah. What about, uh, you, you talked about civil law. What is civil law? So um, I use it when we go to like Leviticus 18, right? And we see all the sexual sins and then all these people who commit these sexual sins are put to death. Mm. The civil law would be the act of the priest's and the uh, and whoever they get to put the person to death, those kind of judgments, is the civil law. 
and also the the civil laws we, we, that it feels like it takes forever in Leviticus to get through if you're sick or if you uh, you know are unclean the the waiting the so many hours or the so many days or if you lay with somebody that's unclean or if you touch someone that's unclean those are all civil laws mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> but the moral law is what we call like the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. right so things that apply to your moral <clears throat> character um, would be the moral law, which we see Paul make reference to those things still in the New Testament, which would make me believe that they still apply today because the moral law is still not wrong to follow. Um, It would be wrong for me to take a lamb to church, slit its throat, and and think that is atoning for my sins. Yeah. Right? That's called ideology. And I'm I'm almost... uh, You're talking about idolatry. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Ideology is like my... Yeah. It's 1044. Yeah, it is. So that would be be sinful, right? But me following the Ten Commandments is not sinful. Now, caveat to this, what is sinful with me following the Ten Commandments is me thinking that that saves me. Right. Right. So here's what I think then Hebrews uh, chapter eight, verse 13, it says, I'm speaking of a new covenant. He makes first one obsolete. He makes the first one obsolete and was becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So what he's saying here is, is that the old covenant is not good for salvation. Right. We, if you read, listen to Dina, when she read all of chapter eight, that's what it's talking about. Um, Hebrews eight makes it clear that the old covenant does not save you. You cannot have any other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. The new covenant means that righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians makes that abundantly clear. Justification and salvation comes by faith in Christ. Now, the old law, how did you have some salvation? How You had to have uh, this lamb and you had to bring it to the altar and you had to transfer your sins to it and all these other things. Now, Ben and I had a long conversation before this about a bunch of other things that it could be Abraham, right? Is taught that he was saved by the faith and the promise to come and sure that this, these things have parts to play, but it was an act of the law. The law did not save, but what the law did is it brought death and come uh, and condemnation upon its people. It was a curse. Now, the Bible makes that very clear in Romans chapter 7. Yeah. <clears throat> so, and so what we just read in Hebrews 8, 5 mm-hmm. says they serve a copy and shadow right. of the heavenly things. It's, right. You know, this law, even the tabernacle right. was a copy of foreshadows. What, oh, another way you could say that. It was a way to look ahead to what was coming right. in those days. And, and so the big thing about the law is when we look at it is we have to be able to say, Thank God for Christ, because I cannot obtain that. Mm-hmm. So the law was, it was pretty simple. You follow these things to the T, and you would never have to worry about the civil or the ceremonial. Right? If you could follow the moral law, it was fine. You did not have to worry about the rest of it. And because there was no need for the sacrifice, there was no need for the civil repercussions. But who could do that? There wasn't one person alive that could do that other than Christ. So you had to go through these certain things, which was impossible. Righteousness in this, under this covenant came by obedience and demonstration of the law, which never came yep. because nobody could do it. How does righteousness come in the new covenant? By faith in Jesus Christ. Do you see the common theme in this new covenant that everything that is coming um, in the new covenant is by faith in Jesus Christ? Because Christ is the lamb who took the sacrifice. Who took away the sins of the world. Right. Yeah. Who took this, to, who took exactly what the Leviticus talks about, took the, and transferred the sins onto him, and he is the one who made the atoning blood and the atoning work on Christ. So the law is a huge topic. It's very broad. But what we do know is, is that it is a perfect, it, first off, it is the perfect view of God, right? Because the, it, well, is, it is the perfect view of his holiness. Right. And so he, uh, and, but it is also the perfect kind of foreshadow of what is to come, as Ben said in Rome, uh, Hebrews 8, 5. It tells us what is coming next. It tells us that the, the, the perfection of Christ, the level of perfection of Christ that Christ had to meet 
it is literally impossible for any man to do this, that Christ had to be God. Yep. So, yep. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. That's right. And that's happy right. Hanukkah. Yeah. Literally Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. And happy Easter. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah. So, we come to this point where what we are starting to see in Hebrews is, like you said, this idea that the law is passing away. Mm-hmm. But it's funny that in he, at the end of Hebrews chapter 8, it doesn't say that it has passed away, but that mm-hmm. it is becoming obsolete and right. growing old and ready to vanish away. So when does it vanish away completely? Right. Um, so you have, again, you have the two rules of thought. So if you listen to the podcast back forever ago, Jay, who was on it with me, is under the impression that it has already passed away. Mm-hmm. Which is a, um, a, he had, a, people who believe in this camp, sit in this camp, uh, have great reasons to believe so. Yeah. And and they would, I don't think any of them would say, well, Ten Commandments don't apply so I can murder without 100%. fail. You know, like, yeah. Right. And they have a point. And I, I, we will say, following the Ten Commandments today is not what saves you. Yeah. Obedience in Christ, believing in Christ, that's what saves you. Yeah. So we both sit on, honestly, the disagreements is so yeah, it's my new minuscule that when we was doing the podcast, we literally was like, what are we arguing about? Yeah. <laughs> so um, we said that multiple times. But here it says, in speaking of the new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. Mm. Okay. Christ makes the first covenant obsolete. Right. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So here we see that is, it is becoming obsolete. And every day, every second, every minute that the Christ, uh, that the return of Christ draws near, this old covenant is going farther and farther away. When we go to heaven and the, uh, or to the new earth, right, when Christ returns, what, what need will there be for a moral law? Right. There won't be. Right. Because there will be no sin. Yeah, we'll be perfect just as he is perfect. Tell me why there would be a need for a civil law. There's not. Yeah. There would be no need for a ceremonial law. There's not. So the moment it grows completely obsolete is the moment Christ returns. Yeah. And that means that the fulfillment of the new covenant is here. And the reason I don't believe that the, uh, that the uh, old covenant is fully obsolete is because the consummation of the kingdom has not fully happened yet. The moment that the fullness of the new covenant comes is when Christ returns. Yep. So Hebrews gives us this in chapter eight, where um, we start to see that, you know, the law is a foreshadow. And then in Hebrews 10, it kind of starts to fill in some of the gaps that Hebrews eight leaves us with. Now, nine, you, we could read nine as well, but nine, I think is summed up well in 10. And so mm-hmm. we can just skip nine just for the sake of time. So Dina, do you have Hebrews chapter 10? Um, and what you're going to do is you're going to read one through four. Our phone just went black. See, if you'd fix our phone. You're right. It I wouldn't do that. Fix our phone. Thank you. <laughs> no. Broken screen. Hebrews 10 what? Hebrews 10 1. 1 through 4. <laughs> For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers having once been cleansed have no longer or would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year for it is impossible Mm. for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So we've talked about this, um, but why now do we read Leviticus? Mm -hmm. We read Leviticus because it is a reminder of what sin does in the world. (coughs) Hunter, what do we see in Leviticus over? Wait, I'm going to ask Dina because Dina has a song about it. Dina, what (laughs) do we have to do in the law over and over and over again if we sin? Lots and lots of sacrifices. Yes, we kill animals i know it's like genocide man (laughs) (laughs) i mean you would yes it what's but i mean you kind of would take sins more carefully i would feel like if you had to you know take an animal and kill it you would definitely be more mindful yeah Yeah. i've had to kill sparky every time (laughs) well and not only that but there was also like a market for these 
type of things too. So well, yeah, you, these were your livelihood. You were measured on wealth. Yes, by by how many animals you right. Had. Yep. So you're right. You're hundred percent right. Yep. But yeah, I wouldn't want some poor little animal to die because because you suck I'd as a human a, being, right? Yeah, yeah, because I made a dumb mistake. Yeah. You ever read Genesis and try to put yourself in the place of those people? Like, for instance, the Adam and Eve story. Adam goes through and he names every animal. That's a time-consuming thing. Which would have taken forever. And then he realizes it's not good for him to be alone, so man makes woman. And then they sin. God makes woman. Yes, I'm sorry. Thank you. (laughs) So God makes woman. Yes. So God makes woman. And then they sin. And then God has to kill two animals. They've never known death. Right. God kills two animals and is like, now you're going to wear their skins. Ah, you know, like. Put the lotion like, on the skin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that would have been Sorry, literally probably the worst thing that you would have ever imagined, you know. Because right. they could talk to the animals too, right? At that time. Oh, no. They don't really don't think, talk about I don't that. Think, I don't think Disney wrote Genesis. <laughs> Well, but Eve and, did talk to the snake, though. Eve did talk to the snake. And there's the there, devil. <laughs> there are there are people that are on both sides of that camp. That anyway, Man, we don't know. That would have been crazy if if animals could talk to you. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. Like, don't you think they'd have been like, "Hey, what are you doing over here? Trying to eat this? <laughs> trying to eat this? You're gonna get my skin cut off?" Yeah, crazy. Yeah. So, but yeah. So you're like, I've Adam never and Eve. heard that. I've never heard that. Oh yeah, there's a whole that theory just that yeah. blew my mind. That because she's not surprised. Like she's not like, oh, a snake's talking to me. She's just like, she talks back to it. Um, so there is a theory <laughs> that is interesting. And then like Balaam's donkey talks. And there's this theory that pre-fall that animals could talk. <gasps> but I'm not. That's a whole podcast. Disney's onto something <laughs> or not, or they're not. We yeah. But anyway. Um. It's like we're here right you, you broke me. I lost my train. Oh yeah. So You're welcome. So, anyways, <coughs> yes, they know no death whatsoever. Mm-hmm. They probably, honestly, had very little concept of what death even was. And then God's going to show them this is what your sin means. Kills these animals and uses it to cover their nakedness. So, and what's crazy to me is, and we look at it now from this point of view, but it's like. What is so serious about sin? Well, seriousness is, is it's shown by this killing of these animals. Mm-hmm. But like in Genesis, to me, the, like the seriousness of sin is that God is now separating himself from human beings. Yes. Like, it's just crazy. Like, cause he used to be in full body walking in the cool of the garden with Adam yeah. and Eve. Yeah. And now it's like, the only way you're going to hear me is through a voice through this tent. Mm-hmm. Right. Or in a cloud of smoke up on a mountain. Yeah. But you are not going to be with me in fullness until Christ returns, right? Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. a long time. Yeah. But, and yes, so, but it's a reminder every time mm-hmm. that you sin, you have to kill an animal. You're like, man. Yeah. I suck as a person. Yeah. And if Leviticus does one thing for us, it impresses that upon you. Right. You know, the just the sheer volume of, of death and blood and guts and, you know, burn the stuff and bleh. sprinkle. And the if blood the hair here. is like got white pus <laughs> or yellow pus, it's not good. But if it's black, I mean, you're all right. Like, I was like, <laughs> she's quoted that twice now. She has. So it tells me that's what you've got out of this. It reading. really, it really impressed upon her the nastiness of Leviticus. That's just so gross. Well, you know, and, and but the thing is, is that things that happen, um, like having any infection or anything, makes you unclean. Like just the body's illness mm-hmm. makes you unclean and drives you away from the Lord uh, before Christ, right? So it's just like the fall mm-hmm. that caused sickness, that caused death, yep. that caused impure thoughts brings us away from God. Well, and if they didn't follow some of these rituals or keeping, you know, unclean things away. They could have all died of these deadly diseases back then. Anytime that there was like huge plagues in history, they Mm -hmm. kind of fall back on some of these old, not traditions, but like things that they did. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, what's crazy too, is that you read this and you hear this over and over and over in Leviticus is the reason that you're doing this because you will not be like the people who you just left. 
the Egyptians, and you will not be like the people who you are going to be with now, the Canaanites in their land. You will not be like them. You will be different. So the law literally, it separates you from the sinfulness of these other people. And so it makes you, it makes them live different. And it's so it literally forced the Israelites to be different. Yeah. So <clears throat> verse four um, of? of Hebrews 10 mm. says, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Now we talked about this before the podcast, the podcast, just, well, quite a bit actually. Yeah. Let's um, not dive into that. <laughs> yeah. it, it is, it is interesting though. And I'll go back to chapter nine for this one. Chapter nine, verse 13 says, for if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve mm. the living God. It is interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think that this thing was meaningless, mm-hmm. you know, that, that the sacrifices were meaningless because we've talked about that a lot. But at the same time we talked about, so does killing this goat take away sin from you or not? Um, I think the point that we kind of came to is important though, to, to talk about on the podcast. The point is not, does this thing take away my sins? The answer is maybe yes, maybe no, really not a hundred percent sure one way or another. It says it's impossible to do so, but is that talking about, is it impossible for the sacrifice to take away our sins forever? We know that definitely is a yes, but the point, it doesn't matter. Even if you sacrifice this animal today, and you go stub your toe and say a cuss word the next day, like you just separated yourself all over and had to sacrifice an animal again. So that's why this topic is important. It's important because we read Leviticus and we see the seriousness of sin. We also read Leviticus and see the fact that our sins are paid for once by Christ, like you've Mm -hmm. talked about. And so I like, I like verse five, six and seven of Hebrews chapter 10 it actually goes back to a concept we talk about often, which is Christ was plan A. Um, so it says, consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. And so it goes back to this idea that even though this whole sacrificial system was implemented, we know that this was not the thing that was going to be forever. And mm. What Hebrews talks about is this idea that God was going to prepare a body for Christ, which was going to be given. We know from beforehand that this was not something that was going to be the thing that takes away sins forever. Mm-hmm. And so we don't sacrifice now because Christ was the one who was given to take away sins forever. So next is the book of Numbers in yep. our reading. Yep. Would you say our days are numbered? (laughs) (laughs) So, so, um, yes, probably. Uh, Why do we need to read it? And isn't it just the same thing we just read? Oh, such a good question. So we can look at Leviticus and we can read Hebrews and make very clear correlations. Numbers is much harder to make correlations on because numbers... Well, you're going to find out, you probably already found out, there were 52,750 Israelites in the camp of Dan, you know. <laughs> but if he know. rode at 10 miles per hour on a donkey. It's not. There's no math problem. <laughs> if he had six apples, but he gave away three, there's no, there's, how many apples did Dan have left? There's no, there's, there's no math problems. Oh. But there are plenty of numbers in the book of Numbers. Surprise, surprise, as you well know. Which by is now. crazy to me, though, how much Jude refers back to Numbers. Yeah. It's like, it's a lot. Yeah. So I had to pray through Numbers back in the day a lot because I. How many times? <laughs> <laughs> 7,600. No. Um, I had to pray through Numbers a lot because I would read Numbers. And you know, it's funny, statistically, most people fall away from their reading plans in Leviticus. Or numbers. Right. You know, I am super impressed with how many people have said that they are still reading with us yep. in our plan. Yeah. So, and the, probably by the time, well, no, because this came out Tuesday, we'll have the March one up very soon. Yeah. So. And we're proud of y'all, by the way, for sticking with the reading. I'll try plan. to have that up. Wait, you have heard people's reading with us? Yeah. Yeah. We've heard of lots of people. Like, 
people I didn't know were reading with yeah. us. Lots of people at church. Lots of people. Yeah. Huh. I think my mother is reading with us, if I'm not mistaken. Good job, mommy. <laughs> I mean, like, all kinds of people. Um, I know mom read through February with us. I don't know if she read through, uh, but yeah. But even if you're just now turning tuning in for the first time, go ahead and start with us now. Yeah, the worst part's over. You can always catch up later next year. Like, the worst part's over, you know? Yeah, yes. yeah. But yeah, so <clears throat> I prayed through numbers a lot because you get to numbers and it's like, I just suffered through all of, uh, well, like half of Exodus because you get past the cool parts of Exodus, let my people go. And then it's like, Boom. and now you're going to make a tent and it's going to have 74 bronze basins and there's going to be <laughs> the pillars and the rings and the, and the curtains. Hey, they and actually matter. They, it does. It does matter. It does matter. Like, and then I nerd out on things and my wife is just like, who cares? So you make it through that part, like your wife, where she's like, who cares? And then you get into Leviticus. And, and it's like, she's like, you're like, who cares? And you're like, who cares? Exactly. Um, and then you get into numbers and then you're like, why are there so many people? <laughs> but you know, what's interesting about the book of numbers after I prayed through it considerably numbers is about God fulfilling his promise that he made in the covenant to Abraham, Abraham, if you think all the way back to Genesis, which was not that long ago, Abraham was, it was him and his wife, Sarah, and she was barren. And God makes them a promise that he would make their descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Mm -hmm. And if they could count the stars, you could count his descendants. And people are like, cool. And then they read numbers and they forget that numbers is the direct fulfillment of that promise. Right. Three books later, you have an entire book that's like, there are so many people in the nation of Israel that it's like, how did you even count that many people and not lose count after like over time? Like you read through and you see the number of people and you see the amount of stuff that it took when they did sacrifices and you see all of these things and it makes you realize if nothing else that God fulfills his promise mm -hmm. and that God is a God of order. And that God is a God who, if, if you ever wanted proof that God will do what he says he will do, read the book of Numbers the way you should. Right. Don't just read it as something that's tedious, but look at it and realize, man, God does what he says. Right. Well, that is very interesting. So, Dina, tell me your last 10%. My last 10% is, thank goodness we are about ready to be done with Leviticus. <laughs> but no, just, um, I don't know. For me, you know, we kind of talked about it briefly about how people back in the day, I would think, would be more conscious of when they sinned because of the animals that had to be sacrificed and stuff. But um, it kind of humbles you in a way and it does kind of make you think or at least it does for me about some choices that you make throughout the day or whatever mm -hmm. just to try to be a better person you know not that we sacrifice animals obviously because Jesus paid all of our sins but just you know I don't know you want to be a better person yeah so I think my last 10% is <clears throat> Thank the Lord that he had a plan <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, from the beginning. From I mean, we literally see it in Genesis chapter 3, that he will send a redeemer to redeem us of our sins, that we do not have to have a lamb every time that we sin, um, and we do not have to uh, be burdened with the civil law and the ceremonial law that we are, uh, we have a atonement and a, a lamb that sacrificed for one time and one time for all on the cross. His name was Jesus Christ. And so I think my last 10% is when I read Leviticus as I, as I used to do, I read it in such of, uh, uh, like this is a hassle. This is a, like, I'm just checking this off my spiritual box. Um, but now I can sit here and read Leviticus and I can read numbers and I can read Deuteronomy in a worshipful manner that Lord, you have, this is a uh, almost like a prequel to your fulfillment of the promise of your son, Jesus Christ. So thank you that this is what he saved us from to, to for me having to do to get be holy and be righteous. The only thing now I have to do is believe and follow him. 
And that, that's awesome. Benjamin? Well, um, Hebrews 10, 19 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. I like that verse because what it shows me, what it reminds me, is the beautiful truth that God is faithful. In Leviticus, I am reminded again that God is faithful. And in Numbers, I am reminded that God is faithful. That he gave his son once for all so that we could have life. And so, if you're out there and you're like, man, how do I get this life? It's really simple and profound. You believe that Jesus is the one that he said he was, that he is the ultimate high priest, the one who died for our sins so that we could have life, that he died in accordance with the scripture, that he was raised in accordance with the scripture, that he <clears throat> was resurrected so that we could be freed from sin. You repent of your sins and you turn to God and you let him clean you up. And what you do is you confess him to be Lord of your life that he would have his way in you for the rest of your days, that if he asks you to do something, you do it, and if he asks you to stop something, you stop it. The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so if you're sitting out there and you're listening to this thing and you're going, man, I want that, all you have to do is pray to God and ask him to save you from sin, and he'll do it. The great thing about Jesus is that he is the ultimate high priest given for our sins. And so we can trust his promises. We can trust that he'll do it. And we can trust that he will keep us to the end because he is God. That's my last 10%. And that was a good one. Thank you. <clears throat> so on the next thing on the plan here, it says the reading plan, but we just did like a whole hour and 10 minutes on that. So yeah. we're not going to talk about that That's anymore. Fine. We can cut that. <laughs> so now it is time for Hunter's Random Question. <laughs> Random question. So I had one, and now I'm not going to do it because Dina yelled at me before the podcast. <laughs> well, you're not supposed to reveal to us what you were going to talk about. That's why it's random. Me, 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 me. <laughs> okay, so I have a question. Is it random? For you it is. <laughs> I don't know this about the two of you, and we've been friends for about 10 years now. What is your biggest fear? Oh, man. So mine is I don't like really tight spaces underground because I'm afraid that I'm going to be stuck underground and die. So it's not just tight spaces. It has to be underground. <laughs> yes. So how often do you go underground? I don't. So it seems like you're safe. But like... I like going on adventures and so like whenever our friends are like let's go to Mammoth Cave and I have to get underneath there all I can think of is if there's an earthquake right now we're all going to die in this <laughs> small place and no one's going to find us because we're underground well I mean Mammoth Caves, Mammoth Caves is like the large, one of the largest attractions in the United States I feel like they would know if it caved in but still but granted the likelihood of you surviving this the like, I can't stand those videos that come oh. up on Facebook and stuff of the people going through the tight spaces and they're just wiggling through and I'm like sitting there holding my breath for like 15 minutes while they're going through. I'm like, I can't breathe. I saw one of those today and he was like, people ask why we do this. He's like, and it's the same question to you. Like, why do you get up in the morning? I'm like, no, because that means I have to go to like work and like buy food. You're doing this because you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Ben, what is your greatest fear? Oh, man. So my greatest fear is that someone, whether I care about them or not, honestly, it doesn't matter. 
But my greatest fear is that someone will be hurt in the process of being kidnapped, whatever, doesn't matter, something, fill in the blank. And I will be there and see it, but not have the capacity to do anything about it. Mm. Interesting. Greatest fear for me. Dina laughed. <laughs> well, all I can think of is, okay, so the first time that we went to Denver, Colorado, oh, which has goodness. higher elevation, yes. we went out for our, it was for a technology conference, but one night we went out for our anniversary and Ben was still like loopy from the elevation. I had, I had really bad, like the altitude messes with me. And then often. you also decided to not drink caffeine that trip too, didn't you? Oh yeah. Which actually cool. helps you with the whole elevation thing. I have Yes. I have discovered that when I'm in high elevation, I need sugar and caffeine to kind of snap me out of it. And I had given up both of those. Yeah. So we go to this pretty nice Italian restaurant. We took an Uber over to it. And, uh, so we're there eating and like the chef comes out and goes, Oh, it's your anniversary. And And he was like Sicilian. And so he sticks us in his like famous corner where like all these famous people have ate and he basically told us what we were going to order because we were like I don't know ravioli and he goes no (laughs) he's like this is what you're having and I was like okay (laughs) sure and um I think it wasn't his one of his sons the one of the waiters or something his three sons were there as well yes and so they're outside serving people and we can see them through the window and this lady comes up and just like cuts one of them and like takes off down the street and so there's like this whole like thing going on outside and i'm just sitting in the corner like oh my gosh and ben's like wow yeah i just watched the whole thing happen i mean there's nothing that we could have done in the first place no i mean it was really quick too like it's it's actually so it was funny looking back on it so the one son is outside waiting on tables and she does she runs up and you hear meh, 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 and she whips out a knife and cuts his ear and takes off running so it was really fast it's not like something where you like you saw a a, a struggle that went on forever and it was totally random like they had no idea who this lady was yeah so then his other two sons and they're giants by the way come out of the kitchen to go chase this person down because they attacked their brother so anyway um but yeah i just watched the whole thing happen and i was just like wow that and was it really weird. wasn't until we got back home that he even realized everything that had happened there. Yeah, like we're we're sitting there. Um, we may have even been on the plane coming back. And no, it was after we got off. I think we were at the airport. And I looked at you and I said, oh my gosh, did we really see that happen? <laughs> I was like, like, that was like five days ago, but okay. <laughs> like there was so much stuff that just did not register because I was so out of it because of the altitude. I now know how to deal with it. And like, it wasn't as bad. And like when we went that time right. to Colorado, it wasn't nearly as bad right? because I knew how to deal with it. But man, that time around, yeah, I just watched it happen. Nothing. Didn't even register. Well, I think my biggest fear is the unknown. Mm. Okay. I hate being in, put in a position that I don't know what's coming next. Mm. Is that why you don't like the intro before the intro? <laughs> There's many reasons why I don't like the intro before the intro. It's funny because your segment is Hunter's random question. Yeah, but I know what's coming next. <laughs> <laughs> Even if we don't. <laughs> so, no, I like I, I don't like being put in the position um, of like, like the COVID vaccine didn't scare me. But it was like, I don't like being put in a position um, at work. Like, I don't know really know what's going to happen if I don't take this. <laughs> so, it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like... I don't like being put in those kind of positions. I don't like being put in, uh, um, like, my flight being delayed or canceled. I don't really care about my flight being delayed or canceled. I just don't like being put in the position of, I don't know what's going to happen next. <laughs> yeah. Like, so. And I also hate being late. <laughs> that's no, That's a very... You do? <laughs> that's a very <laughs> quick number two there. That oh. at, uh, I have, like, a small fear of being late. <laughs> because you don't know what to expect when you get there. (gasps) And then now tell me how my parents are the problem for this. (laughs) If you're Mr. Psychology today. I'm not Mr. Psychology any day. (laughs) Well, folks, 
thank you all for being with us for this episode of the Altered Podcast where we honor God and the things he does. If you're sitting there and you're reading the plan and you're like, why? Why, God, why? You read Leviticus, you read Numbers because it shows how faithful God is. So we love you. We're here for you. You're going to make it through Numbers. And trust me, there are lots of good stories in Numbers. It's not quite like Leviticus, which was a lot of law and nothing else. And so stick with it. And God will help you. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. That. Just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Do, 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 do. <laughs> and we'll, I don't sing on the podcast. <laughs> and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to The Altered Podcast. Join us next week for a brand new episode. If you want to hear more about The Altered Podcast, check out our Facebook and Instagram page for updates and other cool content. See you next week. Thank you.